Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the News Agent Podcast. I'm Susie Lysett, Content Executive at Goodlord. Uh, today's topic is the evolution of the London lettings market. And so I'm joined by Greg Suman, uh, Lettings Director at Martin Gerrard's and State Agency operating across North London, uh, just to hear his on the ground insights. So thanks very much for joining me, Greg. Thank you. Um, now, perhaps just to start, it'd be great to hear a little bit uh, about about Martin Gerrard, you know, just some details about where you operate and a bit about your, your agency's expertise. Sure. I mean, as a company, we've been around for um, 55 years. Um, we, we do sales, lettings, commercial, um, professional services. So we, um, we do everything property. Um, I've been with the company since uh, 2002. Um, so just shy of 20 years, um, and I've always specialised in lettings, uh, not counting the very short stint in sales uh, when I just started with the, with the firm. Um, we have 12 local branches, uh, and we are considered to be local experts, um, have won our fair share of awards with Sunday Times, Negotiator Awards, um, Best Estate Agents Guide, and, and some others. Um, but I suppose for, for the purpose of this exercise, uh, we are uh, dealing with a huge portfolio of properties in North and Northwest London. Uh, we have uh, provided data to the Valuations Office Agency, and, and we are their sort of agent of choice. Um, been part of focus groups uh, for the Immigration Act, uh, also the uh, mayor's office and uh, essentially we, we keep our eye um, on the local uh, lettings market in um, North London specifically, uh, but also through my property mark connections, I sit on the other property mark board, um, I get a little bit of insight in what the rest of London does as well as the UK in general. Yeah, well, that sounds perfect. Then <laughs> so you're obviously the right person to have on on the podcast just to uh, just to take us through some of uh, some of what you're seeing, really. Um, I, I guess then the the first question it would really be just to set the scene a little bit. I mean, if we were to to look back, perhaps before COVID nineteen, so I realise that that had quite a drastic uh, impact on the market everywhere, um, but. London's obviously quite unique. Um, I think it's safe to say that it's pretty well a city of renters or, you know, the majority would be, you know, renting and private renting right now. Um, but I mean, what what's kind of the history of the property market? You know, was it was it always weighted um, in, in favour of renting or has that been a, a shift, a gradual shift towards that? Well, it really depends how far back you want to go. Um, I mean, it's since 2002, um, there's been uh, an increase in the private rented sector um, with the evolution of buy-to-let. Um, uh, but I, th I think for the purpose of today's conversation, I think it's important to uh, look at the foundations of what we're seeing today. Um, and that really started around 2015, 2016, uh, when um, I'm sure you remember George Osborne introduced some um, uh, strategies to deter landlords um, because the, it was felt that that would encourage property ownership. And I think we can all agree that property ownership is a great goal and we want as many people who are able to get on the housing ladder to do so. Um, we need to be realistic about those who physically cannot. Uh, for some people, renting is a choice. For others, uh, it's a necessity and we need to cater to both um, groups. So, um, in 2016, um, there were two fundamentally important um, initiatives launched. One was the stamp duty, the additional stamp duty that landlords have to pay when buying second homes. 
Um, uh, and the other one was the changes to tax relief uh, when it comes to interest payments on their mortgages. Um, that was phased in relatively slowly, um, uh, and, and it is now fully uh, phased in, which means that no matter how much tax you pay, whether you're a higher rate taxpayer or not, you can only claim tax relief at the basic rate of tax, which is 20%. Um, so that is a deterrent. Um, fortunately, interest rates have been very, very low um, since the credit crunch. Um, unprecedented. Like, I mean, even now with inflation at uh, levels not seen uh, for the last 30 years, RPI today is 6%. Last time it was at that level was 1991. Um, our interest rates, Bank of England base rate, is 0.1%. Um, so we are seeing inflation um, having an impact. Now, going back to what what you mentioned about the pandemic. It was an anomaly in the market. Nobody expected it to happen. But the, uh, I'm, I'm nervous using the word exodus, but the, the flight of landlords away from the private rented sector since um, those measures have introduced um, has been there. But more importantly, um, the attrition rate of landlords leaving the sector has not been replenished by new entrants. Um, very few landlords have added to their portfolio since those measures were introduced in 2016. In the past, where you have one landlord selling, another one would buy it, the supply would roughly stay the same. We've slowly seen a reduction of that, whilst the demand has approximately stayed the same. The anomaly that completely sort of accelerated um, what we're seeing today um, came about as a result of Brexit and the pandemic. It was a little bit like a perfect storm. Um, so what we saw was tenants um, and, and the London population in general leaving London at rates never seen before. According to some statistics, uh, we've lost 10% of London's population. Um, there were reports that almost a million people left London in 2020. Now, of course, that would artificially inflate the supply levels. And on top of that, all of the landlords who chose to benefit from the Airbnb phenomenon uh, with short-term lettings were unable to let uh, because there was no flow of tourists coming into London. And as a result, they were putting their properties on the market to let as well. So all of a sudden, we've seen supply levels spike and there were no tenants looking to rent because they were moving out of London, benefiting from more space for their money. Um, they needed to work from home. They realized they didn't need to be in central London anymore and so forth. So in 2020, we saw a drop in rents and, and a significant one. Um, again, according to some reports in central, prime central London, rents had fallen by 30%. And this is huge. On top of all the changes in legislation, the moratorium on evictions, the fact that you couldn't um, get rid of your tenant even if they didn't pay the rent. Um, I've heard some horror stories where tenants have been sitting in the property without paying any rent for over two years. So as a accidental landlord, who perhaps only became a landlord in 2008 when they couldn't sell their property post-credit crunch and needed to 
move to their next bigger property. Um, they reviewed their situation and thought, look, I cannot offset all of my interest anymore. I cannot um, get the same profits that I was getting previously. There is a lot more legislation and I'm getting reports that the housing market is booming. So this was during the stamp duty holiday. Many, many landlords who could decided to cash in. As a result, the supply diminished. And for each property that was being sold, there were now more tenants looking for rental properties that simply weren't there because there's almost nothing that's been added to um, supply in London. Another reason why there was very little being added is the stress testing. So some landlords wanted to take advantage of the stamp duty holiday and add to their portfolio. But unfortunately, 25% deposits weren't enough. When rents were falling, uh, that would affect the stress testing that mortgage lenders had to go through. So all of a sudden, landlords were asked to part with considerably more than 25% deposits. And the saving they would make in stamp duty didn't always cover that. So little new stock coming on the market together with the same demand um, limited the rents dropping after the initial fall. Now, on top of that, towards the end of the year, we started seeing a return to London. So people who lived outside realized that they actually missed the hustle and bustle. Um, they, they remembered why they moved to London in the first place. There was a little bit of movement from abroad, um, not necessarily from Europe, but from uh, places like Hong Kong, which seen quite a lot of that. Um, and they've realized that all of a sudden, they couldn't find the properties that they thought were there. And as a result, from about April, May this year, April, May 2021, we saw rents starting to rise. And all of a sudden, the number of viewings to each um, let reduced. Void period became almost non-existent. As soon as you put a property on the market, you're inundated with inquiry. Um, it started in central London and then rolled out into the suburbs. So what we're seeing now is an unprecedented shortage of supply. In the 20 years I've been doing this, I've never seen stock levels this low. Um, not just with us, but according to Rightmove, according to Zoopla, um, according to other um, large agencies that I uh, speak with through my property market connections. Um, everybody's reporting the same thing. There is a chronic shortage of rental stock. And that is a problem. That really is a problem that the government have not fully considered, in my opinion. I don't know if you've seen the uh, latest report by Shelter. Yeah. But, but today it's been reported that one in 53 people in London is homeless. Blimey. It's a shocking statistic, isn't it? And, and if you look at certain places like Newham uh, or one of the more affluent areas, Kensington and Chelsea, you're looking at one in 22 or one in 29 people. So it's even worse. So when the government has set out to um, encourage property ownership through the process of discouraging landlords from being landlords, I don't think they fully thought through where that gap was going to be filled from. So the population, or I suppose well, the demographic of London, um, was one, and they wanted to make it another. Now, if you're getting rid of landlords who are providing a very important service, PRS sector um, has shrunk by approximately 2% since 2016. But the people 
on housing waiting lists have increased by 3.6% since last year alone. Now, we need to pause and just think, where is this going to go? And I'll give you another sort of bit of trivia. In London Borough of Brent, um, average number of people in waiting lists, um, and this statistic goes back sort of very, very far, but I'm going to focus on what happened since 2015 to 2020. An average number of people on the waiting list was 3,418 people. Guess what it is this year? What, what do you think it's increased to? From 3,000, let's say 3,500, which was the average over five years. I mean, obviously, with the huge amount of demand right now, I mean, as you, uh, I'd say, I'm going to make a guess and it'll probably be completely wrong, but uh, let's say quadrupled. And, and that would be shocking, wouldn't it? Now, it's actually gone to 24,000 or a sevenfold wow. increase in one year. No, that's it. That is pretty incredible. And everybody's expecting those numbers to still increase. Even if we were to say, right, let's get rid of the additional stamp duty now for landlords. Let's encourage them. Let's get rid of the stress testing. Um, let's encourage house builders to build more. Let's, let, let's simplify the planning permission even further. There will still be a lag. We're not going to be able to provide the housing for all these people who are perhaps they, they want to buy, but they can't afford to buy. They need to rent somewhere. Where are they going to live? So if you're a landlord, I suppose, and listening to this podcast, um, I would really engage with your local expert and speak to them in detail about your five-year plan. What is your strategy? Can you help with this housing shortage? Can you affect the horrible statistics of one in 53 Londoners being homeless? Is it something that we can together lobby the government and provide some very much needed incentives after the um, sort of the, the unprecedented policy over the last six years of discouraging landlords who provide the very much needed private rented sector? Can we change the situation for the better? And that, that is, <laughs> I suppose, that is my uh, number one concern as we stand today. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's an incredible uh, overview of where we stand, I think. It's, uh, it is quite shocking uh, in terms of the, all of those statistics that you, that you were talking about. I mean, it, it is incredible that there is such an issue that the government has obviously set up in terms of having the right intentions and, and um, you know, we're putting this strategy in place. But it is incredible how, uh, how the long, what the long term impact has or has been, will be as it continues, as you say, because of this lag in being able to rectify it, I suppose. Um, I mean, do you, do you see any, uh, aside from sort of lobbying the government, to is, do you see any feasible way of reducing that lag, you know, making sure that there are properties and things available um, for, for people to rent in, in the sh- short term? Is there any solution that can be out there to, to help in that capacity? Well, personally, I don't like short-term solutions because they always, um, I mean, they're they're just that. You need to look at things fundamentally. Um, I could tell you what is not going to help, um, and that is the talk about rent controls. Because as soon as you start saying to people, we're going to introduce rent controls, that is another blow to landlords and another straw on the camel's back, as it were. Um, What is also not going to help is the talk about abolition of Section 21 notices, which is the, um, um, I mean, again, good intentions, because we're talking about no-fault evictions and retaliatory evictions and and things that are wrong. But only a fraction of tenancies are actually being ended through a Section 21 notice being served. It would be fine if there was a 
more robust and fit for purpose Section 8 process to evict tenants who are not paying the rent, who are in breach of contract, who are potentially antisocial. But complicating the process is not the answer to a shortage. You need to attract landlords to the sector, not um, not do what we've done over the past six years. So we, we need to rethink how we can address this. It's important to accept that some people will buy and we need to encourage that. There's nothing wrong with that. Property ownership is amazing. Uh, and there are some people who will not be able to do so, partly because they may not be earning enough, um, partly and, and real-time inflation now versus wage increases, we're still seeing prices rise much faster than wages. Uh, we also need to look at the tenants who don't have the deposit saved. And we also need to look at people who, for their jobs or other reasons, don't particularly want to buy just yet. Um, and we need to respect that. There's been an increase in people who are enjoying that um, advantage of easy mobility. And I think we just need to look at the whole system, pause, look at where we were with sort of a carousel of housing ministers um, who wanted to introduce a policy and then they hand over the baton and then it takes longer for the next housing minister to get familiarized with the previous route. Um, and, and, and then they're gone again. So we need to have a proper housing policy um, with um, a strategy to match because there is no easy fix. Um, we, we, we need to understand that since the summer, there's been a 76% drop in um, supply in the area that we cover. Uh, the demand has um, increased rather than decreased. It's not as significant, but um, we're still seeing um, a, 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 an increase. Um, and you need to understand that when there is such an imbalance in the landlord's favor, they will be picking the easiest tenants to deal with who have the best jobs, who have the best credit history. Um, what about the people who, as a result of the pandemic, had to leave because they couldn't afford it, they used to downsize or whatever? Um, are they going to be disadvantaged? What's going to happen to them? We need more housing. No, I mean, so many interesting points points raised. I mean, obviously, with them um, talking about how we do need to take a step back and look at it globally and come up with a policy which, you know, can can suit everybody, I suppose, and, and try and rectify the issue. Where, where do you think that that would sit with the fact that we're waiting for the renters reform bill, white paper and so on? Obviously, you've already mentioned Section 21. Um, you know, that's obviously been on the table for, for, for quite a while and go through various uh, phases, you know, and consultations and so on. Um, I mean, how do you propose potentially expanding that conversation and ensuring that, um, that a policy which is fit for purpose in, in as much as creating more housing or, or attracting more landlords? I mean, you know, how, how um, what would be your thoughts about um, working around what's already in the works and uh, and getting something set up which which could work? No, I think it's very important to look at unintended consequences when you set off to do anything, um, because as as history shows, um, intentions were good and look where we are now. Um, and I don't think it's right to blame the pandemic solely because this, this is not a result of the pandemic. If anything, the pandemic um, uh, masked the, the true effects of policy since 2015. Um, I think we need to um, 
make landlords feel more comfortable investing in property as a long-term um, strategy. Uh, they need to um, be confident and comfortable that the government are not going to continue introducing legislation that um, disadvantages the landlord and takes their rights away because property ownership is a fundamental right. Um, and I mean, if you look at the number of different acts and regulations that have been introduced since then, um, it's, it's mind-boggling. I mean, according to some um, statistics, you, you're looking at 147. Um, others are saying there's more than 260, um, irrespective of which one you uh, sort of believe. That, that there has been an enormous increase in compliance and legislation. Um, the private rented sector and agents have been working very hard to improve um, uh, property standards, um, uh, improving um, energy performance ratings, um, uh, complying with the Homes Act, uh, making sure that uh, landlords understand their responsibilities to provide an adequate response in line with the Deregulation Act. That there's a lot that agents and landlords need to need to do, but the government need to help or at least send a message that at some point this is going to get better. Or if a decision has been made that the private rented sector is no longer needed and no longer where we as a country want to go, then they need to take responsibility and provide some social housing that hasn't been built at anywhere near the rate required. So I think some clear messages as to where we are going with this um, a break on taxation, so a reversion of um, the um, limit on interest rate relief would go quite far. Um, I think um, a temporary stamp duty holiday to attract landlords in the sector could also be an answer. Both of those, in my opinion, are unlikely. Um, uh, perhaps um, consider a different way to tax short-term lettings to ensure that we're not taking long-term uh, homes away from the local community um, uh, and uh, just ensure that there is some balance because right now it is advantageous to some to let short-term um, compared to all the compliance hoops that you need to jump through if you're renting to a family on a longer-term contract. Perhaps um, provide some tax breaks to those landlords who are providing longer-term accommodation. So let's say if somebody's renting uh, their property out on a three-year contract without a break clause, which gives tenants a little bit more security of tenure, then um, give them an incentive to do so. So th there are many things that we can consider, but um, ultimately, unfortunately, we are not the decision makers. And until we can get through to those who are making decisions and highlight these unintended consequences, which we should constantly do. I know property market do an amazing job of that. Um, I, I think we are going to continue to struggle with this and homelessness will continue being a problem um, and um, the shortage of housing right now will become even worse over the next six to 12 months. But I mean, the, my my other question would be um, just partly. I know that this is, you know, obviously looking uh, quite specifically at the London market. Uh, but uh, you know, this housing um, this housing deficit is uh, or supply deficit is being 
seen across the country? I mean, is is, the, is this something which you, you see accelerating faster in London in comparison to other areas? Um, is this something that you think is, you know, let this levelling up? Is it going to become, uh, you know, sort of uh, affordability and so on in terms of renting? Do you think that it's just going to keep getting worse in London, whereas perhaps it won't take quite as long uh, within other parts of England? I mean, how do you see it as a regional um, issue? Um, it's a really interesting question um, because I can't remember who mentioned it, but I, I remember somebody said London is the rest of England on steroids. So whatever happens is, is exaggerated here. Because um, house price increases um, have been so much higher in London than anywhere else, in, in pound sterling terms, not necessarily in percentage terms, um, the barriers to entry for home ownership are still there. And as prices continue increasing, those first-time buyers who are currently rented are being priced out. By removing supply from the private rented sector, all you are doing is you are increasing their cost of living, which will take longer for them to save up for a deposit, etc. I mean, this is basic. If there is an imbalance in supply and demand, if there is less supply, more demand, prices increase. By pushing landlords out of the private rented sector, what other outcome is possible? I suppose going back to your original question, how we see the regional sort of changes, I think it will be quite similar. Um, but the problem has been more acute in London because the stress testing that mortgage lenders have imposed uh, meant that rents have to increase um, by significant margin to meet the stress testing requirements for a landlord to be able to afford to buy a property with a 25% deposit or 75% loan to value. The average gross yield now required um, to pass those stress testing, um, and again, speak to your sort of professional financial advisor, but um, as, as a sort of very rough rule of thumb, you're looking between 5 and 6% gross yield. Before 2018, I've seen so many family homes being rented out with a gross yield in London of about 3%. So it, it just simply doesn't make sense. It, the, the, the math doesn't add up. It is incredible how how different London is in comparison to everywhere else. I mean, do you, do you would you say that because London is, as you put the rest of England on steroids, do you think that there's a necessity to have uh, consider London almost independently of the rest of the UK or see it as perhaps the future of the rest of the UK if it continues um, in this way? Well, using that analogy, everything starts in the city and ripples out. Um, and, and we've seen that last year and this year. Um, so if you want to know what's going to happen in um, Finchley, for example, look at what's happening in Westminster. I, I've got a lot of friends who work as agents in central London and uh, we have these conversations and, and I say, well, we, we've started seeing this and I say, well, we, we've seen that for the last three months. Um, and I can observe that in our network as well. What we're seeing in Kentish Town and Crouch End will only happen in um, Whetstone and Totteridge um, in about two to three months time. So th 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 there are easy ways to predict it. What we don't want to do is we don't want sort of the local government or um, uh, Greater London Authority impose different rules for London, like rent controls, for example, uh, that will only cause a further shortage in supply. Um, so I, I, I think we need to be very, very careful how we tackle this crisis. Any knee-jerk reactions will be um, uh, potentially very costly in the next couple of years. So I, I think the solution should be 
fairly simple. Um, change the narrative. Um, stop demonizing landlords. Um, recognize that they're providing a very needed supply of housing that the government cannot otherwise provide. And engage in dialogue. Help them. Help them help you, as it were. I know it's a cliche, but it's still valid today as it was ever. I think that's a perfect summary and a very succinctly put it, if I might say. I mean, it's uh, no, I mean, normally at this point, I, I would probably ask the question of uh, what are your predictions for the coming sort of six to 12 months? But I think essentially you've established that in uh, throughout the course of our conversation. Um, I mean, would you have anything anything else to add in terms of predictions within letting specifically, um, you know, in terms of your local area within London where, where that you were uh, outside of the, the housing shortage? I mean, do you see any other trends that, that might happen over 2022? Um, you know, any predictions in that sense? Look, my advice to landlords is um, don't be put off by what's happened over the last five years. Investment in property is a much longer term um, investment. Over the last, well, pretty much century, property prices have continued that upward trend. Um, yes, there are some peaks and troughs, but overall the line is upwards. Um, it is proving to be a good um, investment for your children, for your pension. It gives you a regular income. And if you can protect your rent through policies like what Good Lord offer us, um, I think it's, um, it is still a safe investment. And when it comes to a yield on your um, money invested rather than a yield on the whole property, they're not bad. Um, another bit of advice I would give is, Right now, look at your energy efficiency ratings because you can still make some changes now that will be much cheaper than waiting until the deadline comes in in 2025. Uh, in 2025, um, you'll need to have a minimum energy efficiency rating of C in order to let a property. So look at it now. Um, look at all the other compliance bits and pieces that, uh, so EICRs, um, if there's any remedial work that needs to be done, do it in advance. Um, look, look at your carbon monoxide uh, detectors. Do you have that where they need to be had? Again, the legislation has recently changed. Um, and consider whether you want to manage the property yourself, because I know that there are some landlords who've been doing it for a long time and they think that they can um, manage it themselves because they live locally. It is now much more than fixing leaky taps. It is about compliance. It is about um, preemption. And if, if you leave it too late, it can become very, very costly. And, and I often see that when, when a landlord gets um, into hot water, that, that's when they are more likely to sell. So they also need to consider about doing their part to continue that, um, continue providing that much needed housing. And I suppose. I don't see rents dropping anytime soon. I do see some significant increases over the next 12 months. Um, just, uh, yeah, um, don't be put off. Bide your time. Speak to your local experts. Come up with a strategy. Think of it more long-term, five years as a minimum. Um, and if you do come across a good deal, now may be a good time to buy um, because this void of supply is not going to be filled overnight. 
That's a that's a great way to to wrap up our conversation. I think it's pretty pretty information packed, and I I'd hope that anybody listening would have quite a lot to take away from it, not least landlords and just understanding how how they can uh, perhaps help everybody really, uh, knowing that there are so many issues in in the market at the minute. Uh, but just make sure that they look at it as a long term strategy and make sure that they they don't give up. It is it is uh, there are opportunities out there, and it is obviously uh, something that's needed. So. That's brilliant, Greg. I mean, thank you ever so much for taking the time to to have a chat with me about this. Thank you for having me.